Good morning, everybody. Good morning. If you're excited to be in the house of the Lord with the people of God, with uh, the spirit of God living within us and, and generating uh, just so much energy and joy, if you're excited about that, why don't you give a hand for Jesus? Why don't we get excited about being in the house of the Lord this morning? Is God good? Is God good to us? Has God been good to you? God's been good to me, and that's why I get excited about being with my people, the people of God. If you love Jesus this morning, you are my people, and I'm so excited to be with you in person. It was such a blessing uh, a little while ago to be with you uh, virtually, but it's such an even bigger blessing to be here with you in person, to worship, to share the word, and to just get excited about serving God in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our own individual and personal lives. Hebrews is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It just puts everything in perspective of who Jesus is to us as a community, as a body of believers. I'm actually in the middle of, uh, Brian mentioned that I am a chaplain at the House of Correction in Billerica, Massachusetts. And we're in the middle of a series just taking uh, Hebrews bit by bit um, and enjoying, just letting the word of God speak to us. Thank you. Mic check, mic check. Beautiful. Letting the word of God speak to us and just chewing and, and meditating on it. And that's been such a blessing. And it's such a blessing to share it with even more people. We're in chapter 12 today, and we could have a whole sermon series. We could probably spend about eight weeks just on this chapter. It's so rich and so dense with, um, with beauty from, from God. But I really want to focus in on one theme. And before I start sharing my own thoughts, I just want to let the word of God speak first. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but if you have a a Bible with you, if you've got it on your phone, I believe it's going to be up on the screen. We're in chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 18 to 28 from Hebrews chapter 12. It's verses 18 to 28. And let's just let this word from God wash over us because it's powerful. And then we'll get into what it means for us today. Verses 18 until the end of the chapter. That's 18 to 28. If you got that scripture in your hand, say amen. If you need some more time, say I need more time. All right. Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 28. You have not come to a physical mountain. I'm in the New Living Translation, by the way. You have not come to a physical mountain. To a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. You have come, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks a better word, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance, like the blood of Abel. 
Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke to Mount, from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only the unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping, with, worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. Anybody today holding on to something unshakable? Anybody holding on to Jesus, our champion, who is unshakable, who cannot be moved, who cannot be removed? Anybody holding on to that blood which cleanses us, which rewrites our history, which makes us new? Anyone holding on to something unshakable? Anybody holding on to Jesus this morning? So many things from this chapter that we could cover, but there's one theme that I really want to dig into this morning from Hebrews chapter 12. And if there's one thing that you walk away with, I want it to be this. We have come to God through Jesus. Amen? Somebody say, I have come to God through Jesus. We have come to God through Jesus. That passage that we just read speaks of coming to that holy mountain. Not with terror, not with fear, but with awe, with love, with boldness. That passage speaks of entering into the, that heavenly city of Jerusalem, entering into the very presence of God. We have come into the presence of the almighty creator of the universe, the, the maker of heaven and earth. We have come into the presence of divinity through Jesus, our champion. Amen? The rest of chapter 12, we have to put all of the other instructions in chapter 12 and in fact the rest of Hebrews and in fact the rest of the Bible in light of that fact that we have come into the presence of God. We have to put the what, what the beginning of the chapter speaks about which we'll get into shortly about stripping off sin which weighs us down in this race that we're running, this spiritual race that God has set before us. Put that in light of us coming into the presence of God. We have to put the discipline of God, the correction of God in light of us coming into the presence of God. Right? This, this isn't a moralistic rule book of do's and don'ts. All of the practical instruction that the Bible gives us and that this chapter of the Bible gives us are in light of that fact that we have come into the presence of God. That it's not about being considered a good person. That it's not about looking a certain way. That it's we're, we're standing before the Father of God in heaven. We are in, in, in this gathering this Sunday morning. We are spiritually before his throne room. That Jesus has ushered us into 
that presence, and all of these other things that we do or don't do, all of this discipline and instruction, all this holy living, all this living at peace with one another that we're going to talk about shortly from the rest of the chapter. All of this is in light of the fact that we are the people who spend our time, who spend our days, who spend our lives in the presence of God. We don't often recognize how profound it is and how unfathomable it is that we are in the very presence of God. The, the, what we just read in the, the earlier chapters of that passage speaks about the, the terror and trembling of the people of Israel and of Moses when they were before Mount Zion receiving the word of the Lord. But how many know that Jesus, our champion, ushers us into the presence of the Father, God? By his sacrifice, by his blood shed on the cross, he makes it so that we can enter into that presence with boldness. Because God's presence is majestic. Amen? God's presence is regal. Amen? God's, par- God's presence is, as we see in this passage, awe-inspiring. And in some senses, fear-inspiring. Have you ever been in the presence of something just totally awesome and scary? That, that was so big and so vast that it just struck fear in your heart? Have you ever been standing on the, a, a precipice and just looking at a, a, a giant chasm that you could fall into? Anybody been standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon or something like that? This past Thursday, I had Veterans Day off from the prison. Thank you for anyone who has uh, served in the military. We thank and honor you. And I got to spend the whole day with my kids, which I rarely get to do on a weekday. We raked up all the leaves that we had let sit for many weeks and uh, got it into a giant pile, put it right in front of the slide, and my kids were just sliding down into it. We were jumping into it, tossing them around. And we stayed out there all day. And this time of year, the sun sets pretty early, so we had dinner outside. It wasn't too, too cold. We threw some jackets on. We're sitting outside as the sun goes down, the moon comes out, and the stars are shining. And I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And I'm explaining to them how the moon is just a rock in the sky, and it doesn't have any light in and of itself. The sun shines on it, and trying to see if my two-year-old wasn't really paying attention, but seeing if my five-year-old could grasp the concept. And talking about the stars and how they are these giant balls of fire that only look small because they're so far away. And it felt like a holy moment to me. Just spending that time with my children, thanking God for the gift that they are, thanking him for making me a father and, and showing, his, showing me how to love them like he loves me. And thinking about how huge and how meaningful that commitment and responsibility of fatherhood is. And then comparing that with the concept that I was explaining to them. About how massive and vast this universe is. And how this little moment that was so meaningful to me is such a small speck, a little blip 
on the incredibly massive universe that God has created and how powerful that is and how that's a little scary to think about how small we are in comparison to how immense the universe that God has created is. That struck awe in my heart at God's power. That struck awe in my heart at his vastness and yet his particular love and care to create something so huge and so complex and so intricate and yet to care about that little moment that I was having with my children. That's the type of God we serve. That type of awe-inspiring. A little bit fear-inspiring, but in such a way where we can trust him because he loves us. Right? That's the type of God we serve. And we can walk into the presence of that God. Amen? We can walk into that love without fear, despite how powerful our God is. And do you know how we can enter into that presence? Now, nobody here is perfect, right? Nobody in this room, myself included, we, we have no right to enter the presence of God apart from Jesus, our champion. Amen? Look at verse 24 again. Verse 24 says, You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. Jesus mediates the covenant or brokers the agreement or bridges the gap between us and the Godhead and the Trinity. Jesus makes it so that we can, he brings us into that presence of God. He brings us as our champion, he brings us into that presence. Look at what he endured. Look at what he suffered to earn us that. Look at verses 2 and 3 of chapter 12. All right, we run, we run the race that God has set before us by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Or in other translations, it says the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the one who gives us the inkling, the idea, the, the impetus to put our faith in him. We don't even initiate that ourselves. Jesus makes it so that we can believe. Jesus makes it so that we can have faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he has... He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't be weary and give up. Think of all that he endured to earn us a place at God's table, to make it so that we could boldly enter into his presence with no fear, so that God could become our father and we could become his beloved children, and that he could spend time showing us affection and love just as I was able to show affection and love to my children this week in that special moment and we don't have to fear his judgment or his wrath because Jesus took all that upon himself we don't have to fear anything from that powerful presence because Jesus our champion amen somebody should be excited about this Jesus our champion gave us that right 
gave us his right to enter into the presence of his father. I want you to notice something else about the passage that we read earlier about us entering into that presence, about us coming to that holy mountain, that holy city, coming to God, coming to Jesus, coming to this holy assembly. Did you notice that it's not in the future tense? If you want to get technical, it's in the perfect tense, right? But it, it, it speaks of a present reality, a past event that affects a present reality. You have come. You have come to this mountain. You have come to this city. You have come to this almighty, all-powerful God. You have come to Jesus. Do you know what that means? We're there now. This book of Hebrews was written to believers like you and me. Right? It wasn't written to anyone special and unique in the grand scheme of things where something applied to them but not us. Right? It was written to believers a few thousand years ago who were just like you and me. People trying to live their lives in light of Jesus, the truth that Jesus had died for their sins. So we can read these words like they're written to us. You have come into the presence of God. This isn't some future reality for after we die or for after we become perfect and never sin anymore or for, for when we get to some point in the future. This is a present reality. Amen? Jesus has brought us into the presence of the divine. Right now, sitting here in this seat, listening to me talk, you are in the presence of God. You are before, in a spiritual sense, you are before that holy mountain. And God has something to speak to you today. Amen? Anybody want to hear from God today? Hallelujah. You have come. This is a present reality. Now, when we understand that we are presently in the presence of God, we have come before his holy mountain. The rest of the chapter then becomes about approaching God rightly. Not about being perfect to earn God's affection or his love or his salvation. Not about earning something, because Jesus already did that for us. By his sacrifice, we have earned, we, we have been made righteous by God. So it's not about earning God's love, but it's about approaching him rightly. Take a look at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. This is coming out of chapter 11, which you guys heard about last week. Coming out of the many righteous and faithful people who are dwelling in the presence of God uh, in the heavenly realms, cheering us on. Right? God's righteous ones, as it says later in chapter 12, God's, God's saints, the, the people who, have, who are presently serving God here in the physical and who have passed on and who are cheering us on in the spiritual. And this verse is saying to strip off every weight that slows us down. God has set before us a path 
to grow closer and closer to him, to know him better and better, to become more and more like him. And everything in our lives that slows us down, he's calling us to strip away. He's calling us to cooperate with him in being sanctified, being made holy, stripping away everything that holds us back from God. Now, how many know that by Jesus' sacrifice, all of our sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven? But when we go back and dwell in those places that we've been brought out of, it holds us back from God. It holds us back from experiencing and knowing and living in light of the fullness of God's love. It makes us fearful, right? Jesus, his perfect love has cast out all fear, but if we dwell in that place of sin, if we dwell in those places that God has called us and brought us out of, if we go back and play with those dead things that God has put to death in our lives, it holds us back from fully living in light of his love. Holds us back from the joy and freedom that serving God can bring. It cheapens our experience of God's presence. If we look at verses 5 and 6 that speak to the discipline of God. Verses 5 and 6, referencing a passage from the Old Testament. It says, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one as he accepts his child. Right, so these, these verses and, and following and preceding those two verses speak to the discipline that God gives the children whom he loves. And when we understand that he is our beloved father who's inviting us to grow closer to him, we understand that his correction, the consequences of our sinful actions, are meant to help us love him better, to help us enter into his presence even more, to help us show others in this world what it's like to live at the foot of that mountain, to live in God's presence. His discipline is not because he's displeased with us, because he wants to destroy us. His discipline is out of his love. Amen? Because we're approaching God, we have come into his presence. He's, through, di- through that discipline and correction, he is shaping us more and more into the presence, in, into the image of his son Jesus so that we can live a more and more fulfilling and life-giving life. Look also at verse 10 from chapter 12. For our earthly fathers, our earthly parents... They disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. Now, how many had imperfect parents who made mistakes? God is the only one in this universe whose love for us and whose discipline for us is perfect, who never makes a mistake, who never goes too far out of a moment of anger and and causes us harm, who never leaves us or forsakes us in a moment of his own weakness. Now, we have parents here on this earth who make mistakes, who lovingly try their best and, and don't parent perfectly, or who just weren't there for us at all or who were there for us in harmful ways. 
But we can trust that we have a perfect father in heaven. Anybody have joy in their hearts because we know we have a perfect father in heaven. We have come into the presence of that perfect father whose discipline is always good for us. That brings us into greater and greater measures of holiness. Look at verses 14 and 15. Getting into more practical instruction about living in the presence of God and keeping in that theme with holiness. The writer of Hebrews instructs us, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Anybody know what holiness means? What it means to be holy? It means to be set apart for special purposes for God. When you said yes to Jesus, if you have said yes to Jesus, God called you out of the mundane things of this world to be set apart and to be sanctified, to be made holy for his special purposes. He's called you out to live in his presence. He has made it so that we can come to him by his son Jesus. That holiness that he's calling us to is not perfection. He's not calling us to never make a mistake because we all know that that's not possible. It's not this moralistic do the right thing, don't do the wrong thing. It's about living a life that honors God, that serves his purposes, that brings us joy and peace. He's calling us to a life of holiness. Anybody want to be holy in this room? Anybody want to approach God with reverence? And those verses instruct us about how we are to live with one another. I want you to notice something else about that passage that we read at the beginning, how we, are, we have come to the holy mountain, that city, that presence of God, the assembly of the children of God, the righteous ones, how we've come to Jesus. Where it says you, right? we don't, we don't have a, a good way to do this in English, but that you is saying all of you. Not you as an individual. All of you, all of us. We as a body of Christ. Me as an individual, you as individuals, we have been invited into the collective you of the children of God. And this passage is instructing us on how to live within that body, how to live within that community, within this this family that we're a part of if we serve Jesus today, with peace, with holiness, different than the way the world around us lives, with backbiting and jockeying for power. Right? To live with humility, to live at peace with one another, to root out any bitterness before it grows up and causes division. It's calling us to look after one another, to encourage one another's faith, to bring each other closer and closer to God as we go closer and closer to God. Amen? We've come into the holy place, the ground that we stand and sit on. Because the presence of the Lord is here, 
because we have come into the presence of the Lord. This is a sanctuary. Amen. We are sitting in holy ground. There's nothing special about this space, this building, this time of the week, 10 a.m. on a Sunday. Because we are the people who come into the presence of God, who have come into the presence of God and who live there, who live in the presence of God. This is a holy place. Amen? Somebody say, we have come to God through Jesus. Say it again. Say, we have come to God through Jesus. Amen. I want to read those 10 verses one more time with that understanding that we as a body, as a family, as a community, have come into that divine presence together. How we are called to live a holy life, to have holy hearts, to relate to one another in a way that's different, that's set apart from the world with love, respect, humility, and how we are called to accept the discipline of God and accept correction from him and strip off sin and everything that holds us back from God that distracts us from the purposes that he's called us to. With all of that in mind, read once again where we have come into the presence of God. You have not come. And as we read this, I'll I'll invite the band back up. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness and gloom and whirlwind as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. Now listen to where you have come, to who you are, to what your place in this universe, in this incredible plan that God has for his people. Listen to where you have come. No. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself. Listen to that. You have come to God himself, who is judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus. Listen to that. You have come to Jesus, our champion the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people into the sprinkled blood, which speaks a better word, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking, for if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. When the earth and the heavens and everything around us shakes and is in chaos, we have a faith 
that is unshakable. We have a Savior who is unshakable. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful. Anybody thankful this morning? Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing one more song. And as we do, I want you to, if you're comfortable, close your eyes. Just with your imagination, picture yourself standing before that holy mountain. When Moses and the Israelites stood before Mount Sinai, when Moses was about to receive the law from on the top of the mountain from God himself, the people were afraid. And they said, God, don't speak to us. You're scaring us. Talk to Moses and let him talk to us. But what I want you to realize as you envision the holy mountain of God before you, is that God wants you. God wants to speak to you. He doesn't want anybody to go in between you and him. He wants you to open your arms and receive his affection and his love with no fear. As you envision that holy mountain in your mind, I want to assure you that God has something important to say to you today. Maybe it's a word of correction and discipline. If it is, I want you to receive it as a word of love. Maybe it's a word of encouragement where the world has been denigrating you and and making you feel worthless, where people around you have been making you feel unappreciated and unloved. Maybe God's got a word of encouragement and blessing to speak to you. If it is, I want you to open your arms and receive it. Maybe he's got something very specific and pointed to speak to you about a situation that you're going through that you need clarity or you need breakthrough or you need, you need deliverance or you need answers. If it is, I want you to trust that he's got answers that he wants to give. Maybe it's a word of endurance where you're, you're tired, you're fatigued. And God wants to reassure you, I'm running this race with you. Whatever it is that God wants to speak to you, to reveal to you, I want you to open your arms. Open your mind. Open your heart. He wants you to receive what he has to say. If there are people around you who you trust, pray with them. There there is a, a prayer team that's ready to pray with you. If you are just feeling the the weight of God's presence and and you need prayer, just come right to the front, stand, kneel, whatever you want to do, let's embody this in praying over one another if you feel comfortable. First and foremost, hear from God today. He wants to speak. Let's sing.